This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Some breaking news here on Canty and Carlin. Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman with you here on ESPN Radio. It is 4.02 Eastern time, which means the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline has passed. Per Adam Schefter, running back Saquon Barkley and the Giants not expected to reach an agreement on a long-term extension. No, with no deal being reached today, Saquon Barkley is not expected to report to training camp with the rest of his team. The Giants are not expected to see Barkley until later this summer. If then, Barkley will have decisions to make as to when he is willing to report. Chris Canty. The deadline has expired. We felt that this was coming. Both sides were negotiating, but it didn't seem like they were going to strike a deal. Now that it's official, what's your reaction? Well, I mean, the reaction is not surprising given how long the Giants and Saquon have been at it. They've been trying to negotiate a long-term deal since the middle of the 2022 season. So the fact that we ended up here uh, seemingly eight months later is not surprising Um Seeing the players' reaction because we're hearing from Saquon Barkley via Twitter saying it is what it is 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 also not surprising. You you heard inklings of it earlier this summer where Jordan Renan and other people that covered the New York Giants were saying that Saquon Barkley could potentially miss a lot of time this summer while the Giants are at training camp if they don't reach a multi-year contract extension. And so I just... It was one of those things that felt inevitable, mm-hmm. but now just trying to spin this thing forward, it's it's hard to understand what the Giants are going to be on the offensive side of the ball with Saquon Barkley potentially not being a part of that equation early on this season because last year he was their offense. It yeah. wasn't Daniel Jones. It was Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones had 15 passing touchdowns last year. 15. That's it. In a 17-game regular season, the starting quarterback, who they just paid $40 million a year, had 15 passing touchdowns. Yet the Giants had a winning record, and they won a playoff game. Why? Because Saquon Barkley was just that damn good. He's a guy that went north of 1,600 yards from scrimmage last year on 350 touches. He's unbelievable when he's healthy and available and on the field. And last year we saw that, and with a good head coach and a good defense, you saw what the Giants could be. And so taking Saquon Barkley out of that mix or not having him play at the level that he played at last year because he missed his time in training camp is a huge blow to the prospects of what the Giants are going to be in 23. Yeah, Chris, this is this is inevitable, as you mentioned, because we kind of saw the way that this was unfolding and we know what the running back market is. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I want to touch on something that you just said there. The Giants finally got to this place where they were having success. Saquon, a huge part of that. The evolution of Daniel Jones was made in large part because of what Saquon Barkley provided with him in that offense. Now you're committed to him, and after all of the strides that you made last season, now you have the face of your franchise unhappy. He doesn't have a long-term deal. He's not expected to report to training camp with his team. You don't know when you're going to see him. You don't know when he's going to report. You don't know when he's going to play. So all All of that positivity and that forward momentum that you had is now stalled. And I just I wonder how this is not only going to affect the X's and O's and the product that we see on the field, but just what that chemistry and that disruption is going to be like within the team. Yeah, you you wonder how the locker room is going to respond to a guy like Saquon Barkley, a team leader not getting paid, especially when the guys know that Saquon, not Daniel Jones, was more responsible for that unit success last season. But to the Giants credit, they drafted Daniel Jones. They paid Daniel Jones. They drafted Dexter Lawrence. They paid Dexter Lawrence. Like, there are examples of guys that are homegrown players that have 
lived up to the expectations that the Giants have compensated. So I don't think it's an issue of the players in the locker room not necessarily trusting the front office. But I do think it's a question of what the Giants general manager, Joe Shane, is going to do in terms of how he handles contract negotiations when it comes to certain positions. And say what you will, the running back market is a soft market. It's been depressed because teams don't want to pay for anything less than the prime of a running back's career. And unfortunately for that position, the prime is in the first five seasons in the NFL. And guys don't get to the bargaining table until their fourth or fifth season in the NFL. So it sucks for Saquon Barkley. It sucks for Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and the rest of the running backs. But that has been what the way of the world is in the landscape of the NFL when it comes to that particular position. Chris, I want to explore what this means for Saquon moving forward. So, again, the report is that he, from Adam Schefter, he's not expected to report to training camp with the rest of his team because he didn't get that long-term extension before the deadline just seven minutes ago. The Giants are not expected to see Barkley until later this summer, if then, and he's going to have decisions to make as to when he's willing to report. So we know that he is going to make his stance here, but I wonder how beneficial it is for him to sit out. The last player to sit out an entire season was Le'Veon Bell back in 20. 18. We know that he signed with the Jets the following season. He was never the same. And I just wonder how long this will last with Saquon Barkley. There was a report from Diana Rossini last week that week one, his availability in serious question if the sides didn't reach a deal. But as, as much as I understand him and his business side of this, I also don't think that it's beneficial for him to miss a ton of time. No, I, and I can understand that because you want players to get acclimated to football movements. It's hard to get in football shape when you're not playing football, and that's what training camp is all about. And so you want a guy to be able to get to make those uh, you know, adjustments from the things that he's been doing in the offseason, strength and conditioning exercises, the agility drills, and have that translate to actually doing football-specific movements on the field against um, you know, competition, you know, against guys, other, other football players. And so I get where you're coming from. But if you're Saquon Barkley, the businessman, this is all about risk management. That's what it's about. So it's about showing up and, and making sure that you can incur the least amount of punishment on your way to trying to get through a season healthy and get to free agency in 2024. And so if I was Barkley, I'm not showing up until the first practice of week one. And I'm wow. going to dare the Giants to try to put me on the football field. Now, if you have an organization that knows what they're doing, they're not going to risk putting a player that valuable on the field when he's only had three or four practices with the team under his belt. So if you're Saquon Barkley, that's another game that you don't have to worry about getting hit. To me, this is all about him just trying to make it through the season healthy. It's not mm-hmm. about him having to have his most productive year. It's about being able to make it through the season healthy and to get to a place where he can get back to the negotiating table with the Giants or with other teams. Now, Michelle, the interesting part about the collective bargaining agreement and what it says about franchise tag players, once we get past today's deadline, is that they can't negotiate a multi-year deal with their team or another team until after the last regular season game. Hmm. It doesn't say that you can't negotiate before the playoff game. And the reason I bring that up is because if you're Saquon, it it becomes an interesting scenario if you're talking about the Giants once again being a playoff team, which they could potentially be in a soft NFC. If this team gets to the postseason, if they qualify and Barkley is healthy, would the player negotiate a use the threat of sitting out a playoff game as a negotiating point 
in order to try to gain leverage and get a multi-year deal done. To me, that would be absolutely fascinating. We haven't seen it done in the NFL, but that would be interesting considering the position that he plays and yes. what the CBA will allow players to do. So I, if you're a guy that's at that position, it's hard to use withholding services as the, the, as the, the tool that you use to leverage the organization into the deal that you want unless your team has championship aspirations. Now, if your team is in the playoffs, it's fair to assume there are championship aspirations. You get in the tournament, anything can happen. Right. If Saquon Barkley and the Giants get to the playoffs, and could we see a scenario where Saquon Barkley would decide to sit out a playoff game if he doesn't get a multi-year deal done from the Giants? If I was advising the player, I would say you absolutely use the threat of that in order to try to leverage a deal, and again, trying to mitigate the amount, the risk, the amount of games that you would have to play without a long-term deal. Chris, that is such an excellent point. And can you imagine the panic that the Giants would feel if that was on the table at that moment? A lot <laughs> more mean, panic than they feel right now, Michelle. Right. I can that's tell you right. that much. Woo, would, I would, mean, you talk about it, leverage. <laughs> it'd be it'd be incredible. But the thing that I would say about the Giants allowing this deadline to pass. The thing that it says to me about how the franchise is doing business today as opposed to years past is that they're finally back in a place where they're functional. Michelle, if this was a John Mara decision, knowing that John Mara was the one that signed off on taking Barkley with the second overall pick in 2018 – you'd probably think that they would assign him to a multi-year deal because he's been a good pro, because he's been a good teammate, because he's been great in the community. The fact that John Mara didn't push the front office to get a long-term deal done lets me know that he has completely empowered Joe Shane and Brian Daybowl in order to do what they need to do to allow this program to have sustained success. And as a Giants fan, it's bittersweet. You want Saquon Barkley there at the start of the season, but – even though he's not going to be there, you can feel good about the brain trust of the Giants finally being in a place where they're operating like a functional franchise. Remember, prior to last year, this was an organization that had five consecutive double-digit loss seasons. Seven of the last eight years were double-digit loss seasons. They had been awful over the past decade in Giants football. They've been holding on to that 2011 championship for a long time. All I'm saying is you're finally in a place now where you have people in the key positions within your organizations that you can trust. You saw some success early on in their tenure, and now ownership has ceded control of the football operation to them, and they're allowing them to negotiate with Saquon Barkley, a core player, a cornerstone piece in the way that they have, including letting the deadline lapse for a tagged player to get a long-term deal. I can appreciate this taking a step back because of what it means for the Giants' outlook long-term, even though I don't like where that puts them early on in the 2023 season. Excellent insight from Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. And Saquon Barkley and the Giants, Chris, not the only two that didn't get a deal done today. Here's some more information from our Adam Schefter. Josh Jacobs not expected to report to training camp with the rest of his team. He did also did not get a long-term deal done today. The Raiders are not expected to see Jacobs until later this summer, if then. Jacobs also having some decisions to make as to when he will report. Same thing with Tony Pollard. He and the Cowboys officially did did not reach an agreement on a long-term extension. Pollard will now play on his one-year franchise deal before becoming a free agent in 2024. So 
uh, with no long-term deals today for Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. Chris, listen to this. The last time a running back signed a long-term contract worth $10 million or more per year was Nick Chubb in 2021, 716 days ago. So as we look at everything that's happening with the running back position, I know you talked about this a little bit earlier, but how does this, how do you observe the value of the running back being impacted today? Michelle, I think the running back has a tremendous amount of value. If you look at the guys that get the top touches in the NFL, it's a who's who of dual threat running backs. It's Saquon Barkley. It's uh, it's guys like Christian McCaffrey. It's guys like Dalvin Cook. Those are the guys that always lead the league in the amount of touches that they're getting in a single year. So the 2022 was no different. And so to me – I don't think it's the league devaluing the position, even though that's the word that a lot of people will use. I think it's the league understanding that the running back's prime years are the first five or six years in the NFL and that we're not going to pay for anything less than a guy's prime when you're asking for top-of-the-market prices. And so when you look at last year in terms of league leaders and touches, it was Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey I mean everybody in the top 10 is running backs I mean so you got to understand for a position to have that kind of consistency in terms of the number of touches I think teams treat see the value in those guys touching the football they just try to manage the risk associated with a player that gets hit as much and the risk of a position group that doesn't have the shelf life that other positions in the National Football League do. So that's why life is a lot harder for the running back in terms of getting your financial security as opposed to wide receivers or any of the other skill position groups. When do you think this shift happened, Chris? Where, where we're looking at running backs and they're not commanding the money that they once did. When do you I, think this I would happened? Say we, I would say we started to see the shift in the latter years of Todd Gurley with the L.A. Mm-hmm. Rams. And Sean McVay was the one that came out after the Todd Gurley situation played itself out and says, I'd never pay a running back that kind of money ever again. And I think because he was viewed as such an innovative mind, because that team got to a Super Bowl in 2018, and because he's kind of been on the forefront of where the league is going from an offensive trend standpoint, a lot of other organizations, front offices and coaching staff took note and said, maybe we don't need to pay a running back that kind of money. Once we draft a guy and get his prime years from him, which is the first four or five seasons, we'll let somebody else pay him and we'll just go out and find another guy. And I think that's what teams are looking at. And so when they bring it back home to the production that you see from Josh Jacobs or Tony Pollard or Saquon Barkley, I think teams view that as more easily replaceable as opposed to other positions like the wide receiver spot or like the quarterback spot. Look at the the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire several years ago, but they had a rookie in Isaiah Pacheco step in in the Super Bowl and really be the difference in that offense being able to win that game. And so I think teams are seeing you can get high-end running back production with, with a fraction of the cost in comparison to some of the other skill position groups, and that's why they don't want to invest – the second, third big contract to those guys. So we have four names on the board here, Chris. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Dalvin Cook. All of those guys are available. Out of these four running backs, if you were a GM, who are you going to sign to a multi-year deal? Who do you think is worth it? Ooh. uh, You know, I I, I would (laughs) lean toward the guy that, that is available 
and, and, and to me, like, it's hard to look at Josh Jacobs' career and, and, and not have a lot of trust in what, what you think he'd be capable of doing. Like, to me, Josh Jacobs being able to do what he's been doing has been really, really impressive. He's been available, played in du- double-digit games, and he, he got a huge workload. He's been over 1,000 yards from scrimmage every year he's been in the league. And, and for him to touch the ball nearly 400 times and to go north of 2,000 yards from scrimmage, I, I mean, it gives you a lot to believe in. So I, I would probably lean toward Josh Jacobs. Um, but, I mean, again, with the running back position – it changes year to year because it's such a violent position and yeah. there's so much of a workload on those guys. Okay, if you're taking Jacobs, I'm going to go with, with Saquon. He finished fourth in the NFL last year, 1,312 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. He also tied for the team lead, 57 receptions. He's one of those guys, Chris, that will keep a defensive coordinator up at night. You know that he can bust a game open at any point, and we've seen how valuable he is. So if you're taking Jacobs, I'm going to take Saquon Barkley. But again, the news coming out today Saquon Barkley and the Giants not not reaching a long-term deal before the extension that happened just 20 minutes ago. 4 p.m. Eastern time was the deal, and we will find out when he is going to report. He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, it's our ESPN Radio Rankum. Chris Canty is going to give the top five people that could be players or coaches that are under the most pressure in the NFL. And I wonder... If now that Saquon Barkley's future is in question, if Daniel Jones is going to make Chris Canty's list. We'll find out next. Keep it here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. 
Yeah, let's go. Let's go. So, Candy and Carlin, Michelle, you know we love lists. We love so, we got to kick this off with our ESPN Radio Rankum. My top five individuals under the most pressure in the NFL. Now, honorable mention, I had Kyler Murray. I struggled to put him in the actual top five, Michelle, because he is coming <laughs> off of a knee reconstruction, and he does have a coaching change, and it feels like – oh, they also have a GM change, and it feels like a front office – that is thrown in the towel on this season and trying to get a high draft pick for 2024. So I don't know exactly how much pressure is on Kyler Murray, even though I feel like he is fighting for his job in the desert. But I'm going to keep things pushing to kick off the list at number five. Mike McCarthy from the Dallas Cowboys. There is no coach under more pressure with a brighter spotlight in 2023 than Mike McCarthy. He got rid of Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator. It's, uh, I guess, in a way in a way of saying it, shooting a hostage in order to keep your job. And, and so Mike McCarthy has got a lot of pressure on him. He's not only going to be wearing the head coach hat, but he's also going to be the offensive play caller. He's got to get this right. He scapegoated Kellen Moore, a guy that has led, what, two number one offenses for the Cowboys over the last four years. Now it's up to Mike McCarthy to be able to pull his weight. They have a championship-caliber defense. Mike McCarthy has got to make sure that Dak and the offense play up to snuff, and I just don't have a lot of confidence that's going to happen, but he's under a ton of pressure either way. It's got to be Russell Wilson. The new brass for the Broncos, the Walton Penner Group, gave him a bag of money, traded a lot of picks to get him two years ago. And Russell Wilson set career lows in sacks, in completion percentage, and touchdowns. He's got to have a huge bounce-back season. The Denver Broncos went out and got Sean Payton to be his head coach, paying him a whole lot of money. was something ridiculous, $18 million a year. Russell Wilson has to step up and play better. There are no excuses. He's got the weapons. He's got the offensive line. He's got the defense. Now he's got to stack up some wins. Aaron Rodgers, Mike Mike Greenberg's adopted brother. Like, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has to be that guy this year for the New York Jets. This is not the Green Bay media. He's going to be playing in front of the New York media, a different degree of scrutiny, and you're talking about a team that has title aspirations. If you don't believe me, all you got to do is look at what they gave up to get Aaron Rodgers, multiple premium picks, and this was a guy that gave you – Subpar quarterback play last year. The Jets are betting that it can be more like the guy that won back-to-back MVPs in 2021 and 2020. Eight ball says doubtful because of his age, but we'll see what happens. But there will be no excuses. He's got a lot of weapons. He's got the defense. Now Aaron Rodgers has just got to go out there and get it done. Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. New England Patriots quarterback going into his third year. That's usually the time, Michelle, where you see whether or not a quarterback has got it. And the Patriots, even though they don't have a who's who list of pass catchers, they got some guys that are more than serviceable in Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster, Hunter Henry, and Mike Gusecki. There's enough for him to get it done, not to mention a 1,000-yard running back in Ramondre Stevenson and one of the best defenses in all of the National Football League. Mac Jones is going to have to step up. He's going to have to avoid those mistakes. And having a competent play caller in Bill O'Brien should help him do as much. But he's still got to go out there and prove it. This is a make-or-break year for Mac Jones. He is fighting for his career mortality as a starting quarterback in this league. 
I mean, anytime you start talking about the tops of a list of persons under the most pressure, you go on down to the big D, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, their quarterback. I mean, they restructured his contract to give them a little bit of cat relief, but they could have gotten more relief had they extended Dak in a multi-year extension. And Jerry and Stephen Jones decided not to do that. Now, I don't believe in happenstance. I don't believe in coincidence. I think that gives us some insights into how they feel about Dak Prescott, which is they are in strong like, but they are not in love. And I think a lot of us hold on to the perception of what Dak Prescott was based on how the first three years of his career started out. But if you look at the last two seasons, this is a guy that's had 35 turnovers in the last 31 games. Dak Prescott lost back-to-back playoff games to the Jimmy Garoppolo-led San Francisco 49ers. That is absolutely unacceptable. So Dak Prescott has got to step up in a window where the Cowboys have the talent to compete for a championship. Excellent That's list. That's the list, Michelle. Chris what Canty. do you think? Excellent list. Again, to recap, an honorable mention, Kyler Murray. We'll get into that in a second. Checking in at number five, Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson at number four. New York Jets. That's still so weird for me to say. New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers at number three. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones at number two. And Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is Chris Canty's number one person under the most pressure in the NFL this year. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. If you want to weigh in on the list, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Okay, let's examine this list now, Chris Canty. I am with you on Dak Prescott. He certainly deserves to be on the list. He's just and, and whether it's fair or not, we always judge quarterbacks based on their postseason success. Dak's two and four in the playoffs, a three thirty three playoff win percentage. It's the second worst over the last ten postseasons. Mm. And the quarterback is the most important currency in all of sports. They get all the glory, they get all of the pressure and all of the blame if things go wrong. But those are numbers that you just can't argue with. And unfortunately, too, for Dak, he's playing the the most important position in the organization with the most pressure on it. When that star is on your helmet and you haven't won in a long time and you have an owner that you know is desperate to win, you feel that pressure all the time. So I love that Dak and Mike McCarthy both made this list. Oh, no doubt. They both belong on this list. And, and I would say this, if, if Mike McCarthy doesn't get this team to – Title contention, and when I say title contention, I, I mean the final four of the NFL or better, a championship game or Super Bowl, then he's probably not going to be the head coach. And I heard from somebody within the Cowboys organization, and the way they put it was they've got the head coach in waiting on the team already in Dan Quinn. Wow. And we've seen a scenario like this with Jerry Jones in the not-so-far-gone uh, past when he hired Jason Garrett to be his offensive coordinator before he hired Wade Phillips to be his coach. And the running joke on the, on the team uh, when that was when those two guys were coaching was that Jason was the de facto head coach and Wade was the figurehead. And I would know because I was in that locker room. I could see a similar scenario playing out if things go off the rails in Dallas early on in this season where you see a lot of tension within the building because they do have somebody that is well-respected by the players and the other coaches on staff in the front office alike in Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, if Mike McCarthy and, and this team struggle early on. So I, I could see a scenario where the Cowboys move off of Mike McCarthy and decide that they're going to hire Dan Quinn to be their next head coach. That's how good the defense has been, and mm-hmm. that's how many questions surround Dak in the offense. So 
I, I could see a world in which that happens, which is why I absolutely had to have Mike McCarthy on this list. The seat is hot. We're going to dissect Chris Canty's ESPN Radio Rankum Top 5 People Under the Most Pressure in the NFL list later in the show. But coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, SEC Media Days in full swing. Who's going to be picked to win the SEC and who's going to be the starting quarterback for Alabama? We discuss it next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Inside Chris Canty, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We've talked a lot of NFL today, Chris, but it's SEC Media Days. It's talking season in college football. So we bring in Super Bowl champion and our SEC Network analyst, Roman Harper, who is live at SEC Media Days. Roman, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And second of all, tell us the big storyline coming out of, of Monday at SEC Media Days. Uh, you know, it's Greg Sankey uh, really just kind of laying the ball of the land out there. He, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, he is the commissioner of college football because he's the commissioner of the biggest conference, the most powerful conference, that is the SEC conference. There's a lot of talk on uh, NIL uh, of course, movement throughout, and now the you know, Oklahoma, Texas coming into the SEC. Uh, him saying that um, they may need uh, Congress at some point to step in to allow guidelines or guardrails to try and help facilitate the the problems that lie out there for college for college athletics. Knowing that NIL is not the problem, he said that that is not a deterrent, but actually having some guardrails to help them allow them to you know to where all states inside of a footprint can at least agree on something to be able to at least now we can facilitate and hold each other accountable because you offering a certain amount of money to get a kid to come there and then you not also being uh, transparent enough to show that kid that money once he gets there. Those are the things we're talking about. Transparency on all sides of it. For me, that was one of the bigger takeaways from today as was Greg. Thank you. Roman, looking at what we're going to see in the SEC on the field in 2023, is it fair to frame the conference as Georgia and then everybody else? Or is there a dark horse team that you think, from a talent standpoint, is on par with the Bulldogs? Uh, I won't say talent-wise on par, but yes, it is Georgia's conference to lose, especially with the schedule. When and where you play teams in in the SEC matters. Georgia has a cakewalk to the conference title. As long as they don't trip up on the way, by Kentucky or at Tennessee. Other than that, there's nobody on the schedule that you look at that's a true threat to what Georgia's prepared to do this year. Now, on the other side, you do have Alabama. If they have the quarterback situation figured out, they will be right there in the hunt and in the conversation, knowing that LSU is the second-best team in the SEC West or first compared to who you talk to. I'm picking them second just because the game between the two is at Tuscaloosa this year. But we all know LSU – it's viable to beat anybody. They bring back a ton of their production on offense. They have a lot. They, you know, they got two really good quality quarterbacks led by Jaden Daniels first and foremost. So LSU is also the cream of the crop. It'll just be interesting to see. The biggest question for Georgia is, uh, you know, Todd Munkin left to do to the NFL, the former offensive coordinator, replaced by Mike Bobo, who was there previously, and uh, and you also have a new quarterback. So how does that marriage kind of match up? And not just on a week-to-week basis, but on that crucial, can't you know, on that crucial third-down situation, the third and 12, what's the play call? And how do we get it executed? I know on paper we can say it's just plug-and-play, and Kirby and Georgia has earned the right for us to all have that opinion, but it's still going to come down to X and O's and what happens 
in between that 53 and a third on Saturday afternoon. And, Roman, that's what I was going to say. You brought up the quarterbacks, and I was going to ask who has the inside track to be the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs because America has gotten so used to seeing Stetson Bennett under center for Georgia. Who's going to be the starting quarterback for Georgia, and how much is that actually going to matter in terms of the outlook for this team this season? It's going to be Beck. Uh, Carson Beck is his name. Uh, he's, he's played 100-something snaps, none of them starting snaps, but he's actually been on the field. And they're confident with it. It's going to be interesting to see. And I never thought I'd say this, especially two years ago, is that, man, I want to see how good Georgia is without Stetson Bennett. It's just something to be said when you got a great offensive coordinator like Todd Munkin who really had an ability to get the ball out to all of his playmakers in space and allowing the big Georgia physical offensive line and tight end to block in space, create running lanes, do all these different things. And now – and also have, you know, combine that with a 25-year-old senior quarterback who's out there playing ball, you know. And it just is a big advantage for Georgia. They still bring back a dominant defense and a lot of good players on offense and defense. But they still got to go out there and win the game. And you never know what's, what's going to happen. Uh, one bad decision, two bad decisions to lead to an upset. And that's just how simple and, you know, how, how sensitive college football is and the fact of, you can win or lose sometimes in the SEC on any given Saturday. SEC Network analyst Roman Harper joining us from SEC Media Days. So same question for you. You mentioned the question at quarterback for Alabama. Same question that Chris asked you about Georgia, but for Alabama. We know that Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson are in the mix, and then Notre Dame quarterback, former Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner came over with new Alabama offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. So who is the leader in the clubhouse to be under center for Alabama? I mean, I'll take the leader at Jalen Milrow right now. I think Tyler Simpson has the most upside overall just because he's athletic and seems to be the more confident thrower of the football. Jalen Milrow turned the ball over quite a bit when he did get his game action last year. That was last year. But the thing that concerns me the most about the Alabama quarterback situation is that, you know, the competition is between guys that really haven't played or done a lot. So, you know, it's different than where Georgia – you know, you got all these great things and pieces all around them, so it's, it's a little bit easier to hide the quarterback position. Alabama's looking forward to maybe doing that. Ole Miss is another team where it's a three-headed horse for a quarterback position, but at least all those guys have played. And so when you look at Alabama's situation, the fact that none of them have played significant amounts of time in college football, that makes me a little bit nervous. And the fact that nobody has just grabbed the reins of this position and said, this is mine, everybody else gets behind me and I'm going to lead this team. So that is what it's going to take to win, this, uh, the, win the quarterback job. And we all know nobody's making the decision. If anybody tells you they know they're lying to you, don't believe it. Don't believe the hype at all. Tell them to stop the cap. Because Nick Saban's the one that's going to determine who the starting quarterback is. Great information from Roman Harper. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's our SEC Network analyst, and he's live from SEC Media Days. Follow him on social media at Harp41. Roman, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm sorry if it was kind of loud here. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of construction going on. A little stat for you guys, downtown Nashville. Five percent of the world's cranes are all right here in downtown Nashville. Just want to let you know that. Five <laughs> percent. Good to know. I love that stat. Thanks, Roman. Enjoy it. Thank you. Bye. He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. We had the deadline today. It was 4 p.m. Eastern time. No deals for tagged running back Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. 
Where do Saquon and the Giants go from here? Chris and I will talk about it next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.